Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansighted and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast, where you can find all the work we do on the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers at Trilogy underscore pod on Twitter. As always, I'm joined with good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. He is a host of the Packers Trilogy podcast and is joining me to talk Brewers baseball as he does pretty much every single week, except last week when he was sick, but he's he's on the up and up from that, so he, uh, he missed me talking about the Freddie Peralta deal, and you know, it's... I don't know, Trevor, if you if you actually even listened to me talk about that, but I specifically said in that podcast that I didn't expect any other Brewers to get an extension this this spring training, and I specifically said Christian Yelich, yep, not gonna happen, probably not till next year. And well, what do you know? I was wrong, <laughs> <laughs> way way wrong. So we will talk a little bit about the Yelich deal, and then we're also gonna preview the NL Central as well. But before we get to all that, Trevor, how are you doing, buddy? You know. It really does not surprise me that you were wrong at hey. all. <laughs> um, I'm I'm doing much better. I finally can feel like I can work out tomorrow after work, which is a great feeling because I haven't worked out in two weeks because of the sickness. I haven't even thought about the Packers because I've just been so drained. So... It's a little frustrating for me, and I'm sorry for everyone that has missed the Packers podcast, um, but we will get back to that, and I'm glad I'm starting to feel better. And now we get to talk about Christian Yelich extension, which is which is awesome for Brewer fans, at least in my opinion. Agreed. You haven't been to, like, China or Washington or anything. You don't have the coronavirus, do you? Um. Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting on my Keston Hira jersey from DH Gate, which could be infected with coronavirus. When you get that thing, make sure you like wash it, sanitize it before you ever, and make sure you like have rubber gloves to use to deal with it when it first when you first get it. You don't. We don't need you getting the coronavirus because we have a brewer game to go to on opening weekend so we don't need you getting the coronavirus before that yeah pretty damn soon and i wanted to wear that jersey to the game so hopefully it's not infected otherwise that'd be bad i feel bad for old miller park <laughs> <laughs> oh boy we're not gonna think about that uh, i hope no baseball games get shut down because of this pandemic epidemic whatever it's classified as now so all right enough about that Oof. let's move on to yelly 
So, in case you didn't hear, nine more years of Christian Yelch is guaranteed. I think the coolest part about this deal was that he specifically wanted no opt-outs or and wanted a full no-trade clause, which is super cool. You don't see that very often. It is the biggest, richest contract in Brewers history, but all things considered, I think it's pretty club friendly. So the his next two seasons, we had him under control for already. They stay the same, so he's going to earn 12.5 mil this year, 14 mil next year. And then from 2022 to 2028, he's going to earn 26 mil all of those seasons. There's a mutual option for 2029 at 20 mil with a $6.5 million buyout. So that is a grand total of $215 million, or 228.5 if you throw in that mutual option in there. So what are your thoughts on this, Trevor? What do you think? I love getting Christian Yelich back. Um, I think I think having him opens up that championship window a little bit longer, and I know when the deal was breaking, before it was a official, Tyler and I kind of talked about it um, and how we wanted to see the deal loaded. And I kind of thought, you know, backload the contract so you're able to kind of load up now in these first few years while you still have an MVP caliber Christian Yelich and you get that hammered out and you get as much money right now as you can get. And then you deal with, 35, 36, 37-year-old Christian Yelich that is going to be overpaid, but hopefully you get a World Series or two out of the younger kind of right now era Christian Yelich because with him in his prime, the the championship window is open, and I think they need to do anything and everything in their power to get to that point of winning a championship because I think Yelich brings in the biggest possibility for the Brewers so that way I love it I'm sure his last three years we're going to kind of talk about it like the Ryan Braun deal where it's a lot of money um, for this guy at this point in his career but you have to pay it this is what baseball players get they get long contracts um, and they get a lot of money and you need to accept that and to get the guy kind of continuing later into his prime and you still have you know, probably four or five years at least left in his prime, you got to take advantage of that because he is your best option, like I said before. Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. And it's it's interesting how this contract is structured. Like you said, you know, the next two years, it's, it's pretty minimal money, all things considered. And with Ryan Braun's contract coming off the books next year, most likely they're not going to pick up that option on him. We, Trevor and I, we were talking off off the podcast. We're like, well, you know, there's some money to spend there now with Yelch still on a favorable deal, bronze contract coming off, and you. I know you mentioned like, okay, well, we need to make another splash signing if we if we want to win the World Series, and we're like, well, okay, you know, maybe maybe we finally make a splash for a starting pitcher next year? Question mark or this, you know, maybe even halfway through this season? I don't know. We'll see, because <laughs> um, the Brewers. While they, uh, while they certainly set themselves up this offseason with not spending a lot of money, which obviously had fans pretty concerned, I guess Yelich initiated these contract talks like right away in November. So I think this was all part of the plan, and they, they could be set up to make a splash sooner than 
what we think in terms of a starting pitcher, which is something David Stearns has not done yet, but I would love to see. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. But I'm just overall, I'm happy to see Yelich is going to be around for a while. Um, and I know in, you know, seven, eight years when he starts to decline, I know people are going to complain about the deal, but it's the right move right now. And you kind of have to just understand that's how you get good players in the MLB at the end of their contracts, especially this part of their careers. They, they're going to, ha- they're going to be bad deals at the end of the contracts. You have to accept that, but hopefully Yelich is good enough where it's only a year or two at the end of the contract where it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I'd be very surprised if that mutual option actually happens because at that point, he's going to be what pushing 40 <laughs> like he'll be close to or maybe 38 37 38 somewhere in there so i mean that's pretty old i'd be very surprised if they'd want to pay him 20 mil but we'll kind of see what happens and hopefully we we only get a year or two of you know it's kind of an overpay at this point but like i said you have to do it to get players of his his caliber yeah, and I mean, look, that's kind of how it shook out with Ryan Braun, too. Like, he's obviously not worth the money necessarily that he's getting currently for the last couple seasons, but he still contributes in big ways and has signature moments and is able to do that. But, you know, you hope the same with Christian Yelich, and it's hard to predict. Like, we're talking near the end of the decade here is when this contract will be expiring. Like, how much are players being paid at that moment? You You don't know. But it's it's crazy to think about that we'll have them, you know, assumingly they don't trade them through this whole decade. And Ryan Braun said it's the passing the baton through the franchise. And that's, I think, essentially what it is with this deal. And it's awesome to see him choose Milwaukee and explain, you know, his press conference, how much Milwaukee and the community, the fans, everyone has meant to him because we feel the same way about Yelich. So I'm excited. Should be good. Anything else you have on Christian Yelich at all, Trevor, or should we move into the NL Central? Yelich is definitely the face of the franchise um, at this point, but hopefully we get a couple more faces to go along with him. You know, like you said, hopefully we can make a splash in the starting pitching, even if it's for just a couple years that we make a splash there. That would be awesome to get that end, and then hopefully Keston becomes the next kind of face of the franchise I think Yelich is going to be ahead of him for a few more years but if we can get that face of the franchise level production from Yelich and Keston which I think is not out of the question and not crazy at all that that's going to be a lot of fun to watch them you know two three in the order or however council decides to put them I think that would be a lot of lot of fun to watch oh, it certainly is that's those are two scary offensive players right there and what here is under contract for what five more years so six maybe under club control so yeah that that could be a whole podcast in itself so (laughs) I'll stop my tangent there but let's move on into the NL Central I wanted to to get this done here amidst all all the Christian Yelich talk just to kind of recap what's happened throughout the National League in the offseason where everyone else is sitting at what the experts are saying projection wise so we're going to start with the Cardinals because I hate them the most and I hate talking about them but <laughs> big subtraction Ooh, you hate them more than the Cubs 
Oh, Eesh. I can't stand the Cardinals. Ugh, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, big subtractions for the Cardinals. Jose Martinez is gone. Marcelo Zuna is gone. So two big offensive pieces there. They lost starting pitcher Michael Waka, <clears throat> relief pitcher Dominic Leone. And then very bizarrely last week, they lost super utility man Yario Munez, who strained his hamstring, flew back to the Dominican Republic without notifying anyone on the team, didn't show up for his MRI, and then the Cardinals just released him. So I, don't know, I guess there was some frustration with his role, and he just wasn't happy there. But regardless, he's gone. Uh, additions they made, not a whole lot in terms of significance. Brad Miller, infielder, was added. Uh, I don't see him you know, kind of pushing the button at all. They did sign a left-handed pitcher from the KBO. I'll butcher his name, Kwang Him Kim. <laughs> uh, not sure if that's correct, but he posted a 2.51 ERA last season in the KBO with an 8.5 Ks per nine. So again, kind of strengthening their starting rotation. And then they traded for outfielder Austin Dean, who is a very unestablished big league player, but through three triple A seasons. He's slashing 331, 398, and 546. So what do we know from their offseason? Well, they didn't improve a whole lot on offense, and their offense was pretty terrible last year. I mean, sure, they have Goldschmidt, but he struggled. It wasn't his typical self. Carpenter was terrible last year, and they didn't do much to replace the guys they lost. So offensively, it'll be interesting to see, but their rotation I mean, sure, they lost Waka, but they replaced him with Kim. So they're going to have one of the top rotations in the National League. They got Jack Flaherty, who was announced as their start opening day starter, Dakota Hudson, Miles Mikolas, and then, of course, Adam Wainwright, and now Kim. So that's five pretty good starting pitchers. Jordan Hicks, the flamethrower of the bullpen, is set to return from Tommy John surgery mid-June or July-ish. He has got a cannon. And then... Um, uh, the other news is Armaya Miklas was shut down and he'll miss opening day. But that's what we know about the Cardinals. Very strong pitching. Didn't do a whole lot in terms of moves, and their offense probably got a little worse. What are your thoughts on the Cardinals, Trevor? Definitely offensively they got worse. I do not think that is any sort of question for anyone. You know, losing uh, Martinez and Ozuna, that's huge losses for them. Um, but I, this is the team, I know the Reds made a lot of moves, but this is still the team that worries me. You talk about that starting pitching, you know, you can always, always, always get, um, position players at the deadline and, you know, they make a couple moves at the deadline, sure up that offense and really get some offense for them. Maybe they make one huge splash at the at the deadline, and they still have that starting rotation if they're able to stay healthy. You know that sounds like a pretty pretty scary team for me. I know they're they lost a lot of players and a lot of players that meant a lot to them these past couple of years. But for me, um, they're a team that still scares me, even though they didn't do a ton in terms of adding. I think if Kim comes in and is anywhere close to his KBO numbers you know if he posts a even a 3-5 with similar um you know 8 to 9 strikeouts per 9 innings i think that's a great 
fourth or fifth starter, depending on where they put them. Um, so their starting rotation, I think, is going to be able to carry them to the deadline. And then after that, they're going to make a few, either one huge one or a couple big splashes at the deadline. And, and they're going to be a scary team throughout the year, I think, in the NL Central. Yeah, and the Cardinals are always annoyingly good, unfortunately. So they're, they're definitely going to be in contention for this crowded NL Central. Moving on to the second most hated team in the National League Central, the Cubs. Uh, so subtractions for them, they lost Nick Cassianos, uh, pitcher Cole Hamels, pitcher David Phelps, who's now a brewer, Addison Russell, Pedro Strope, Ben Zobrist, and then, of course, their manager, Joe Madden, is no longer there. Additions, well, they got Jeremy Jeffress and Hernan Perez, so there's something. And then Steven Souza Jr. they added in the offseason as well. So, conclusion from their offseason, they have some financial hardships, so they obviously couldn't do a whole lot. They are currently fourth in the MLB payroll at $184 million, so a lot of that is tangled up into their starters who are starting to decline with age. But you never know. They could come. They could turn around. Hopefully they don't. Um, and then I guess over the offseason they won the Chris Bryant grievance case, which I guess is a plus for them. So they get an extra year of Chris Bryant there. And then David Ross is the new manager. So... My thoughts on the Cubs are is they still got their big-name starters like Lester, Darvish, Hendricks, Quintana, and then Chetwood maybe. Sounds like he might be in the bullpen, but um, we'll kind of see how their starters play out. And then their offense is, I don't know, its I wouldn't say it's super scary, but they can be scary at times. But uh, what are your thoughts here on the Cubs? Yeah, I think they're back to their 100-year drought. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's def that's probably just me being a very biased Brewers fan. Um I I just don't see it. Like you said, there's a lot of subtractions, you know, there's I know there's a lot with their um money situation that they can't do a lot, but you you look at that subtractions list that you said, you know, Castiano's, Hamels, Russell, Strope, Zobrist, um, those are all pretty big names. And then losing David Phelps to a rival in the Brewers, I mean, it, it all seems pretty significant to me. And then losing their manager, I I am a fan of David Ross as a person, but we don't know how he's going to be as a manager. So that's kind of a question mark too. I just I just don't see them getting any better than fourth in this division i just i just don't see it with the subtractions that they had and i don't think they added enough to replace those yeah david ross managing is definitely be a story to watch because whenever you see former players you go "Eh, i don't know obviously it's worked out well for the brewers and craig council (laughs) um so hopefully the cubs don't have the same success there but they they do tend to relate to the players a little better than other older guys so we'll kind of see how that progresses as the season goes on next up probably the most interesting offseason was the Cincinnati Reds they definitely won the award for spending the most money this free agency so they spent 164 million on four free agents so we'll get to those in a second Uh, we'll start with their subtractions they lost shortstop Jose Iglesias, and then left-handed pitcher Alex Wood, which I wish the Brewers would have got, but whatever. 
then additions. There's a ton of them. Nick Cassianos, they took from the Cubs. Outfielder Shogo Akimiyama. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Outfielder Travis Jankowski. Of course, Mike Moustakis, Wade Miley, Pedro Strope, and then don't forget about Trevor Bauer, who they added at last year's trade deadline. He is there again this year. So they obviously added a lot. I'm going to back up to the guy's name who I butchered, Akiyama. Uh, So obviously he's an outfielder that they picked up from the Japanese league. Last year he slashed 303, 392, 471. So sounds like he can hit hit um i guess the question with them will be will all this money that they spent blow up in their face or will it pay off because you never know how people react it's nice to get paid but it also puts a lot of pressure on you as well so what are your thoughts on the reds you know i i i think i'm kind of with that question you had if it's gonna pay off or blow up in their face i think year one I think it's going to be kind of middle of the road. It's not going to completely blow up in their face. It's not like they're going to have a terrible season with 66 wins or something like that. Um, But I I don't think they're going to be, you know, division winners. I don't think they're going to win 90 plus. I just think it's going to take a while um, for everything to coalesce. And I think down the stretch they could be scary. But I think right off the bat, I'm not sure how good they're going to be able to be. Um, You know, there's a lot of questions with that outfielder that you talked about slashing 303, 392, and 471. That was in Japan, though. So is he going to be able to translate that to the MLB with higher competition level? You know, are they going to be able to handle that? It'll be interesting. Is Wade Miley going to continue to be very good? You know, he's getting up there in age. I can't imagine he's going to be a consistent great starter for them um as he is 33 you know he definitely could still be good for a a couple more years but he could also start declining at this point so that'll be interesting to watch some of those signings um and see how they pan out the first in the first year i just don't see like huge huge increases for the reds I'm, i'm not seeing 90 wins for them it's interesting. I I would like to believe that, but I I just can't I can't commit myself to saying that so far. I mean, you look at the Reds last year, there was the opposite of any typical Red season you would expect. Their offense was terrible and their pitching was great. You know, part of that's probably cuz former Brewer pitching coach Derek Johnson is there, but you take a look at their projected starting five lineup. You mentioned Wade Miley. Wade Miley's likely going to be their fifth starter. So the guys in front of them are Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Anthony DiSclefani. Those are some pretty big names right there. So, I mean, between the Cardinals and the Reds, those are two good starting five rotations right there. They added, of course, a lot of outfielders, so they're very deep that in that regard. And then their starting lineup in the infield is pretty good. I mean, you got Moose out there. You still got Joey Votto. So they got some guys who can contribute. So, I mean, the biggest weakness might be bullpen, but, you know, of course, those are one of the easier positions to add as the season goes along. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm a little scared of the Reds this year. So we will see. Yeah, it's the Reds. They'll fuck it up. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Last up is the Pirates. 
and do I really care? No, not really. Um, the Pirates are clearly in rebuild mode. They have a new team president, new general manager, and new manager. So lots of changes. The only significant thing that really happened is that they traded Starling Marte over the offseason. I believe he went to the Diamondbacks, if I remember correctly. It was somewhere out west. Um, I guess the only things really monitor with them is, is how their young guys do. Josh Bell's played well to start last year. Kevin Newman was a shortstop who destroyed the Brewers. Um, and then, you know, pitching-wise, there's there's not a whole lot there. So Pirates are definitely the favorite to take the bottom of the NL Central. But do you have anything else on them before we get into some projections? Mm, no, I, I do not have anything on them. Not at all. Yeah, that that's fair. There's not a whole lot to talk about <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next I'm going to kind of read through some projections that came out, of course, earlier this offseason. So we'll go through the Zips NL Central projections, the Pakoda team projections, and then RotoChamp. RotoChamp uses a combination of Fangraphs and Pakoda, so it's kind of interesting to see how that compares. But if you take a look, Fangraphs, or the Zips projections, predicts the Cardinals to win the NL Central with 91 wins, Brewers second with 89, Cubs third with 84, the Reds with 75 wins, and Pirates last. So Zips really, really hates the Reds, which is interesting. Uh, baseball Prospectus, or the Pakoda projections, really likes the Reds. They have them winning the NL Central at a mere 86 wins, which is... You know, that would be a dogfight there, 86 wins. They have the Cubs second at 85, so just a game behind. And then the Cardinals and Brewers, they have below 500. And then, of course, the Pirates at last. And then if you take both of those put together, what RotoChamp does, they still like the Reds winning at 86, the Cubs at 85, and then they gave the Brewers a few more wins at 83. They had the Cardinals finishing below 500 with 80 wins, and then the Pirates last. So... Anything you want to expand upon there at all? Not, not really. It's kind of interesting how the different projections vary really quite a bit when you look at it. Um, I mean, the Reds are first in the baseball prospectus projections, but they are fourth in the fan graph. So it's really interesting to kind of see how that varies. And I think that'll kind of further our personal predictions that we have going into the into this season as well all right nice segue personal predictions i'll let you go first trevor what do you think how do you think the nl central is going to stack up so mine is pretty similar to the fan graphs predictions um i switched up the cubs and the reds though so i had from top to bottom the cardinals brewers reds cubs pirates um cardinals i had winning 92 games uh, Brewers 90 and 72. The Reds I had at 86 wins. Cubs at 80 and 82. And then the Lowly Pirates at 70 and 92. You're still with the Cardinals repeating. Ugh, I hate you. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> All right, mine were a little different. Like I said, I'm I'm kind of scared of the Reds, so I have them winning the division with 91 wins. I have the Brewers second at 90 wins, so we agreed on that win total. I have the Cardinals third at 84 wins. I just I just don't think they have enough offense to gain wins, and I don't think Flaherty's going to you know, pitch out of his mind like he did in the second half last year. 
I got the Cubs third at 500, and then the Pirates last at 71. So, yeah, it's definitely a division that's completely up for grabs, which which makes it kind of fun. We talked about it a lot last year, like, oh, is the is the NL Central the best division? Eh, I don't know if I'm still on board with that. I think there's it definitely has the most most teams competing for the top spot if that makes any sense but i don't think it's think, the strongest division by any means i think most competitive not the strongest is the best way to word it um in terms of the nl central i think again this year like it was last year i think it's going to be kind of a dog fight you know i don't expect much more than 90 wins you know a team's not going to walk out of be nl central champs with 102 wins i just don't see it um but it will be interesting to watch and see how it plays out because you look at tyler and i's predictions and we are not fan graphs or baseball prospectus or any of those um kind of national sites and we don't have a lot of analytics that we're going off of it's just kind of our personal feel of knowing the players and all of that stuff and who added where and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it is interesting to watch. And the fact that Tyler and I are kind of complete, I don't know about complete opposites, but we're definitely different on the Reds and the Cardinals. Um, and then you look at fan graphs and baseball prospectus, they're also kind of differing on their opinions of the Reds and Cardinals too. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of plays out there and hopefully you know, we are correct, and the Brewers get 90 wins. I imagine that gets them a wild card um, at the very least, but hopefully they're able to get a win or two more, and they're able to take home the NL Central. But it is interesting that both the Brewer fans did not pick them this year, so that's a little disappointing. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, obviously with the not spending a whole lot this offseason and, you know, sticking with their mantra of good bullpen arms, pretty good hitters, no starting pitching. I mean, the Brewers have outperformed their projections from other sites every year under David Stern. So hopefully hopefully that continues again this year. And what, we were a win shy of 90 last year, and that was good enough for the wild card. So, I mean, that's that's just what you have to hope for, make the playoffs for three consecutive seasons. I mean, that, that'd be the first time in franchise history. So that is the goal. And I, I think while it's disappointing we both didn't pick us to win the division, 90 Woods should get us into the playoffs, like you said, and that, that's the ultimate goal. Just give yourself a chance. So I think that will do it for us today. We'll wrap it up. Make sure you tune back next week. We will probably talk a little bit more about spring training, whereas we'll have a larger sample size to discuss. Well, I know everybody's going crazy about Orlando Arcia's power swing and if Lomo can make the team. So maybe after another week of play, we'll dive into that and any other cool stories that are breaking out so far. So until next time, we'll talk to you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Stearns. Stearns.